All right, week one is here. The Steelers play the Bengals on Sunday. Can the Steelers go on the road two years in a row and shock the world? Let's talk about it. All right, Steelers versus Bengals. Week one is here. If you watched the game last night, that was just a little preview. The real, the real main event for us Steelers fans is on Sunday, 1 o'clock, as the Steelers will travel to Cincinnati for week number one. It's a tough game, I and mean, it's a tough test for the Steelers. Obviously, the Bengals were the division winners a year ago. They were the AFC champions a year ago. And the Steelers, of course, going through a bit of a change here, especially at the quarterback position. But let's talk about this game. Let's talk about the, Let's preview it, talk about how the Steelers could pull off what would be, in the mind of Vegas right now, a pretty big upset. The Steelers come into this game as six-and-a-half-point underdogs uh, it, via the spread, and, and that really has not changed in the last couple of weeks. And, and I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is the toughest matchup I think the Steelers have on their entire schedule right now. And I don't just say that because, yeah, the Bengals were the best team in the, in the, in the AFC North last year. They won the division. I don't say that just because they won the AFC and they represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. They were plays away from winning that football game. I mean that because the way the Bengals match up personnel-wise against the Steelers is, is pretty advantageous if you're a Bengals fan and not so advantageous for us Steelers fans. Now, this, this game, These two games a year ago, they weren't close. And they weren't close by, by luck. Right? I mean, this wasn't a fluky couple of games. You guys know if you watch me at AFC North Talk, you know, I've, I've kind of been a little side-eye with this Bengals team for a while now as far as their true, like whether or not they're, they're a true contender and one of these kind of powerhouse elite teams in the AFC. But when it comes to this matchup in particular, Bengals versus Steelers, I, I will not sugarcoat it. The Bengals do have the upper hand. And, it, and like I said, it's why these two games were not close a year ago. The Steelers lost by 14 in that first matchup in week three, and then they got crushed, crushed midseason. Uh, in Cincinnati, forty-one to ten in the second matchup. Now the two reasons why it's it's it you know this is not rocket science. Figure out why they dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Offensively, they were able to get Joe Mixon going in both games. You know I, I've talked about before. Hey, where's are we sure the Steeler run defense was that big a disadvantage for this team? Right, they were bad in the run defense, but in some ways that kind of helped them because teams wanted to run the clock out, or it's just I just help the Steelers run the clock out and and play that kind of ugly football. Didn't help them in these matchups, though, because Joe Mixon was able to get going and get going so early, and then it it, it just meant that uh, that Burrow and that passing game really just were playing mop-up duty in the red zone to just convert what were easy touchdowns. And then on the other side of the ball, you talk about the Bengals defensively. I mean, they bullied the Steelers in these last two matchups. 20 points for the Steelers last year, and once again, not a fluke. And the reason why it wasn't a fluke is that the Bengals just had no respect. The Bengals had no respect for what the Steelers wanted to do offensively. And they just looked at the Steelers offense and said, you can't, we know you can't run on us. And, we, and you want to do your little dink and dunk game. You want to do your short passing game. Cool. We know you're not throwing over the middle of the field. We're just going to sit back, not let you hit big plays and watch you beat yourself. And that's exactly what happened in this matchup. So how do the Steelers turn that around this year? How do the Steelers take a matchup where they don't match up great? They, they really got their butts kicked a couple times last year. How do they flip the script this year and pull off what would be an upset here in week number one? Well, let's start. On the offensive side, the Steelers offense against the Bengals defense. Now, I know all eyes, of course, are going to be on Mitch Trubisky. And it's it's that's what you're going to hear in the national media. That's what the previews are going to tell you if you watch Sunday Countdown or any of the CBS pregame show and all of that. They're going to talk about this game. They're talking about Mitch Trubisky and the quarterback play and the transition from Ben Roethlisberger and all of that. And yes, that is a storyline in this game. But quite honestly, the play of Mitch Trubisky, to me, is going to be more dictated by everything that's happening around him than necessarily who Mitch Trubisky is as a quarterback. And the reason why I say that is there is a matchup that the Steelers have in this game that will probably determine the outcome of the game right off the bat, meaning that the Steelers cannot win this game if Trey Hendrickson dominates it like, like we all Steelers fans are worried right now after watching Dan Moore in the preseason. Like we're all, we're all worried about this matchup in particular. Hendrickson versus Dan Moore has the opportunity to just end it straight up. If the Steelers cannot defend Trey Hendrickson, if he can have consistent pressure on Trubisky on those money downs, the game is over. The Steelers cannot win in that world. You look at that game last night. For those of you who watched Rams and Bills, 
That game last night was to turn. Well, there was a lot. There's a lot of storylines coming out of that game, right? There's all the Josh Allen stuff and how good the Bills looked and their defense and whatnot. But that game was really dictated by the fact that Matt Stafford was under consistent pressure and and consistently from that left side they couldn't block Von Miller, and that was, you know, you want to put a bow on that thing. I mean, it's that determined the outcome of that football game. This matchup here has that that same feeling to it. If Denmore if Denmore plays poorly and Hendrickson is is constantly, you know, pressuring and sacking Mitch Trubisky, it's game over. And so for me, when I you know when you're looking at Matt Canada, Mike Mike Tomlin, Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, how are they going to attack this? I think it's interesting. This is you know this is kind of right off the, the top, an interesting schematic uh, uh, insight into this game, which will be how do they help Dan Moore or do they even try to help Dan Moore? Because you know the Steelers don't have a ton of advantageous matchups on you know and when it comes to offense versus defense, you know we, we think about Fryermith and and the fact that he can make some plays this year. We like that you know Najee Harris out of the backfield, and the, the, those are probably two of your better matchups, but. If you got a chip, you know, if you got to line Fryermouth up because every, because, hey, we, you know, on the left side, because we got to chip every play. Oh, okay. You're starting Fryermouth's right out by the first thing Fryermouth's doing on his route is chipping Hendrickson and then going, you know, and, and then out for his route. Or it's just leaving Najee in to protect on that left side. Again, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of one arm tied behind your back a little bit for the Steeler offense, isn't it? But then the other way to approach this is to say, no, I, I don't want to limit myself and, and, Look, Najee Harris with the ball in his hands can be one of the most dynamic playmakers the Steelers have this season. Same can be said for, for, for Pat Frymouth and the Steelers' ability this year to use that middle of the field, to use that middle of the field and play-action game. And I do I want to live in a world where I'm going to take that part of this out of it because I have to help out my left tackle against their elite edge rusher? So the Steelers potentially could go into this matchup and say, look, we just kind of have to live with whatever Dan's going to give us. And the Steelers, the, the Steelers have done this in the past. You go back to that first matchup last year, Steelers-Browns. How did they help Dan Moore against Miles Garrett last year in that first game against Cleveland? They didn't. They didn't give him help. It's why I, you know, I laugh about it all the time, but PFF gave Dan Moore a zero in that game. They gave him a zero grade. Zero. <laughs> zero grade. The lowest grade they could possibly give out. And the reason they did that is, yeah, Dan Moore wasn't successful in that game. You know, Garrett beat him on basically every snap. But the Steelers game planned around that by having been get rid of the ball as quickly as he did. And Ben got rid of the ball as quickly as any quarterback in the league last year. But in that game in particular, the the, the plan was, look, you're going to get some pressure from your, from your left side. So you need to get rid of the ball and you need to do it quickly. And they game plan around that. Can the Steelers do that in this football game? You know, potentially, or they, I mean, again, we're going to have a much more mobile quarterback. Steelers are going to have a much more mobile quarterback this year. So potentially you could see some moving pockets, some rollouts, like a design to get away from Trey Hendrickson in that way. And I think this, you know, this, it's going to be interesting to see how they want to do this. You know, potentially you could, you could live in a world where the Steelers are running more 12 personnel, meaning they're going to run two tight ends at the expense of that slot receiver and leaving Gen, you know, whether Gentry or Fryermuth in to, to help here with Dan Moore on that left side. That's another way the Steelers can attack this. But once again, it, it's, it's kind of that arm behind your back situation. Because I think, you know, when we talk about the receivers, I think I do think the slot receiver position is one where the Steelers have a massive, massive advantage, but you're not going to have that advantage if you're out there running 12. So this, I think, right off the top is the biggest matchup the Steelers have offensively is, is how do they how do they help or do they need to help Dan Moore against Trey Hendrickson? Now, the other parts of the offensive line, especially the right side, you know, center right, Mason Cole, James Daniel, Chukso Korofor, Chooks is healthy, by the way. He will play in this game. No problem there. I think this is where the, this is where the Steelers could probably surprise some people. I know in Pittsburgh, everybody's writing the same thing, which is that, boy, this offensive line is going to hold this team back. This offensive line is bad. They're going to hold this team back. I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment. I don't disagree with the sentiment, I should say. But I do think the right side of the line is, is, is far more solid than people are potentially giving it credit for. And I said this a lot on yesterday's show, The Expectation Show. I don't expect this is going to be a great unit, but if they can be a, an improvement from what they were a year ago, and the Steelers can establish any sort of a running game, especially on that right side. Once again, I got to talk about the trickle-down effect. I mean, that, of course, is going to open things up for this team uh, in the passing game. So, you know, for me, it's it's on the left side, it's Dan Moore, and what can they do in the passing game? 
But on the right side, it's, can this side of the line be solid enough? You're running against Sam Hubbard, who's a very good edge defender, especially when it comes to that running game. But can they can they move the pile enough to get Najee Harris going? Again, not we're not talking about five yards of carry in, in Sunday's game. Four yards of carry. 3.7. Again, you know, just anywhere close to mediocrity in the running game would be so far better than what this team did a year ago. And I think these three players could be kind of a bright light on what is an offensive line that, yes, I agree, not great right now. Now, I go to the receiving game, so and, and staying with the injury too, Deontay, who's, who's pra- who didn't practice, what, he didn't practice yesterday, and he was limited on Wednesday. He did practice today. He is, he is healthy. He is playing. And that opens up a huge advantage for the Steelers, which is that slot receiver position. And can Chase Claypool win one-on-one against Mike Hilton? We know who Mike Hilton is, we Steeler fans. Right? I mean, we, we've watched this guy for years in Pittsburgh. He is one of the most dynamic playmakers at that slot receiver position. And not because he's this great cover corner, but because he's just great around the ball, great around the line of scrimmage, as a blitzer, in the running game, right? Just being dynamic. You know, he's he is he is he is a playmaker. Simple. But but Chase Claypool has a size mismatch here that he has to be able to take advantage of. And if he can, I think this is going to open up things for the rest of the Steeler offense. The Claypool versus Hilton matchup to me is kind of number two right behind Hendrickson and Dan Moore as far as things that are going to dictate the Steelers' success offensively in this game. Because once again, the trickle-down effect that I'm talking about here, it extends to this to this matchup. There is a possibility that if they can get, if they can get to Claypool early and, and start to, to take advantage of this matchup in particular and down the football field, they may have to take Mike Hilton. The Bengals may have to take Mike Hilton off the field. They do this at times when there are massive size disadvantages for Hilton, and they put on Trey Flowers. That's huge. If Once again, you're taking Mike Hilton off the field, one of their most dynamic playmakers, a guy who, yeah, I mean, he, he had the pick six in the second game last year. You're taking him off the field? Yes, I, okay, once again, now as a Steeler fan, I'm saying, okay, we're starting, to, we're starting to kind of move the needle a little bit, right? I mean, if this is a matchup, as we've talked about, that's probably more heavily favored towards the Bengals. Well, okay. If, if all of a sudden I have my slot receiver in an advantageous position against one of their most dynamic playmakers to the point where he's off the field, Mike Hilton is, okay, I'm moving the needle a little bit, right? Needle moves a little bit towards the Steelers. The other thing here with this receiving core is, can they generate the big play? Now, this is something we've talked about for years in Pittsburgh because it, the playmaking ability really ever since Le'Veon and A.B. left this offense it's been dire at times. There was that there was that time early in Claypool's rookie season where he seemed like he was going to be a, a down-the-field, big-play type of receiver that hasn't manifested itself since then. But the Steelers have another matchup in this game that I, I like. If the Steelers, and I don't know if, look, Chidobia Wuzier is a very good corner for the Bengals. Very underrated, especially in this division and, and real, probably in the NFL in general. Had a great 2021 season. One of the big reasons why that Bengals team was so good, especially in that playoff run a year ago. Wuzier is very good. Mike Hilton's very good. Eli Apple, on the other hand, <laughs> Eli Apple, he's fine. He's a fine player, but at times he can be he can be taken advantage of. And I don't know if they're going to have a Wuzier travel with Deontay. It'll be an interesting matchup in this one because Deontay is 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 such a high volume receiver. Meaning that the Steelers have they kind of target him kind of 10, 11 times a game. You could just know, especially on those money downs early in games, the Steelers are going Deontay's way. Right? That's just who they've been. So if the Bengals decide, okay, we need to probably neutralize that threat, then are we gonna get it? Are we gonna get a George Pickens versus Eli Apple matchup on the other side? Because if the Steelers can kind of scheme scheme that in and, and figure out ways. And Canada loves to use all that motion and formation shifts and all that. And all that's about is giving the defense some potpourri, but also taking little snapshots of, okay, if I come on this formation, how are you lining up? And how do I get Pickens on Eli Apple? Because that's a matchup. I, once again, we're talking about needle movers. Okay, Claypool versus Hilton. And if he's off the field, uh, needle moved a little bit. And now if I'm able to get Eli Apple versus George Pickens one-on-one, yes, please. Yes, please. That's where big plays can happen. Look, I don't want to put this game all on a rookie player like George Pickens when it comes to this receiving game. But I, what I saw in training camp 
was was spectacular. And I'm not saying he has to be spectacular in this football game. It's really a question for Pickens is 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 when not if, right? When can he translate what he did in practice onto the field? How quickly does that does that happen? But I'm just I need one or two plays down the field if they get that. I mean, I think I think Trubisky has to take he has to take that shot when he sees it. If they can get Pickens on Apple, try to take advantage of that matchup, get some big plays. In a game where you are a six and a half point underdog, you are not expected to do this. How do you win that game? Variance, meaning that you have to take shot plays, 50-50 balls. Try to roll the dice and say, let's, you know what? I'm going to give myself a chance here because it's a 50-50 ball. If it's Pickens versus Apple, well, I, I think I got a 60-40 shot at that one, at a big play. Give yourself the high variance plays to help yourself win a football game. I think they need to take advantage of that matchup if they can. The other thing in this game that, you know, kind of, I think it, well, I won't speak for everyone. I'll say for myself, I keep forgetting is like, oh, right. The Steelers have a quarterback now who can move. How cool is that? It was one of the problems with this team a year ago is that, you know, for, for a, for Ben Roethlisberger's entire career, he was this, this, the big guy, hard to take down mobile, right. Could, could, could extend plays and whatnot. And over the past couple of years, you know, just because, you know, age is undefeated, right. That was not who Ben was anymore. But they got a quarterback again in Mitch Trubisky who can be mobile. And if this team can stay ahead of the chains, if the, if the Steelers can can kind of win on first, and not even need to be win, but just be good enough on first and second down, the Steelers can live in a world where it's third and five, third and four, third and three. You give yourself a chance for Mitch to just win plays with his legs, right? Freebies in this one. Yeah, I don't look. We talk about those big plays. I don't know if the Steelers are going to be able to live in this in this world of. You know, they're going to have to hit plays down the field or or else. But if they can, you know, the more that they can kind of convert on third and nine or th third and five, third and four with Mitch's legs, those freebie plays, extending drives that way, give yourself, you know, more chances. Once again, you know, we talk about the high variance stuff, right? Just just keep yourself on, just keep yourself getting a chance. I don't know if this team can win going 10, 11 play drives the entire game. I don't think that's a, I don't think that, that sort of game flow, if we talk about it that way, right? What? What is the game flow of this game going to be? Is this going to be a game dictated, you know, very low scoring, long drives? Who wins that game? Do I think the Steelers can win a game against this Bengals team by having to go on 10, 11 play drives consistently to get to what it's probably going to take to win this game, which is 20 points, 25 points, right? Because once you get to the 30s, boy, it's, it's hard to see this offense doing that. But Mitch's legs are going to be a big part of this. Now, the other thing to talk about here when we talk about the, the Steelers – offense against the Bengals defense is how the Bengals are going to approach this game schematically. I think it's really interesting how they approached this a year ago and whether or not this game plan is going to change because of who's at quarterback. Now these numbers come courtesy of Steeler uh, of uh, Derek Bell, who works for sports illustrated, uh, all Steelers over there. Great follow on Twitter, by the way, Steelers DB on Twitter. The Bengals last year in both matchups against the Steelers ran 72% of the time in too high, meaning two safeties deep. 40% that now for the season, they ran it 47% of the time, meaning that they were very multiple in their cover, you know, whether they had two, two high safeties or a single high safety. Now, what does that mean too high? How does that affect this game? And why do I think that was, a, this is when I talk about the bully mentality the Bengals had last year. This is what I'm talking about. The too high safety look that the Bengals played in almost exclusively. I mean, we're talking about, you know, over three out of four plays here. They sat in too high, which means they were playing with light boxes. They basically told the Steelers, you want to run? Fine. Try. We don't believe you can against a light box. We're not going to put eight in the box. We're not going to sit there and say, we're going to shut down Najee Harris and make Ben beat us. They sit there and said, yeah, you're your new offensive line, your new rookie guy. Yeah, you want to try and do that? Cool. They also knew that the, you know, what what were the Steelers known for in the in the past with Ben Roethlisberger? Quick passes, right? We're going to get rid of the ball quickly. We're going to kind of dink and dunk underneath. And once again, what did the Bengals say? Oh, are we going to kind of sit with another safety down there to take away throwing lanes? No, we're going to sit in too high. Well, yeah, you want to dink and dunk down the field? Fine. Try. We don't think you can. We're going to watch you beat yourself that way. And what happened in those games? How frustrating was it in that first game to watch Ben Roethlisberger checking down Najee Harris in the flat on fourth and 10? Why did he do that? Because the Bengals sat in too high. 
They said, well, you're not throwing down here. You're not throwing down the field, right? There's no down the field shots. You want to do your little ding and dunk stuff? Fine. But you're not, you know, you're not going deep on us. And we don't believe that you can be effective that way. And this and the Steelers were not. You look at what the Steelers did running the ball against those light boxes in both games. 3.2 yards per carry in those games. The Steelers could not get the running game going whatsoever. And by the way, I think this 3.2 yards per carry is, is probably a little uh, inflated considering that the other game was over by halftime. And I'd love, to, I'd love to be able to break this down by taking away Najee's carries after that game was OVER, which is halftime. Because 3.2, you know, thinking about what happened in those games actually feels a little high, quite honestly, considering what happened. But, you know, this game, this comes down, I mean, I don't want to break it down to one player, but man, DJ Reader just ruined the interior of this defense, of, the, of this offensive line a year ago. I mean, he is such, he is such a menace on the inside. Now, we've talked about this. The Steelers have improved on the interior of this offensive line. So their ability to move players like, like Reader, move players like B.J. Hill, and Sam Hubbard on that right side, who's a very good run defender as an edge rusher, that's as big a key to this offense as anything else as well. Right? I mean, you know, we talk about Trey Hendrickson and Dan Moore, and that's a huge aspect of this game, as is their ability to kind of exploit in the passing game the, mat, the, the matchups that favor them, which is can they get Clayton on Hilton, on Hilton consistently and can they get George Pickens on Eli Apple consistently? But the Steelers have to, in order to do any of those things, they have to get they have to get the Bengals out of too high. And the way you get the Bengals out of too high is you have to be able to run the ball. You have to you have to force the Bengals say, okay, we have to put another guy in the box now because we can't just let the Steelers continue to run the football. This is a recipe for them winning the football game. So go so wrap that up here. Offensive keys for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, number one, I think you got to limit Trey Henderson. You know, even if the Steelers are able to run the football and they're able to do that effectively, you're still going to have those money down plays. You're still going to end up in third and five at times, third and seven. You're going to have, you're going to have Trubisky having to, to, to win on money downs. And he's not going to do that. If Trey Henderson is breathing down his neck on a play to play basis, if he's kind of feeling that rush, especially, you know, you saw this from Stafford last night, how quickly did Matt Stafford get happy feet? Because he, he felt that rush early, and it got in his head. He's like, I can't, these guys can't block for me. And now, all of a sudden, his internal clock has changed. i got to get rid of this ball even quicker. And he's feeling the rush, and he's just going down with, with any contact. It can't happen to Mitch. It cannot happen to Mitch in this game because that is a recipe for absolute disaster. Number two, you got to get the Bengals out of too high. Got to get them out of too high. you got to be able to run the ball and just a little bit. It doesn't, and it doesn't need to be I'm – again, I'm not talking about five yards of carry. I'm talking about getting this team – into third and manageable, like I said, third and manageable plays, and then convert in those spots, whether it's with Mitch's legs, whether it's with, you know, some kind of wide receiver screen, you know, end around plays, whatever it is. Get the Bengals feeling like, hold on, this Steeler team is having too much success. We got to get out of this. Because last year, the Steelers had no success. I mean, they shut the Steelers down. That's why they never came out of too high, because they felt like, why do we need to? They got to do something to get them out of that. Number three thing they got to do is they got to exploit that Claypool versus Hilton matchup. That is their biggest matchup, I think, when it comes to that wide receiving core. Claypool should be able to feast on the interior. And Claypool's a guy in his third year now. Third year? Fourth year? Third year. He's got to be. Look, this is this is kind of a make or break season for Claypool. But this is a matchup when we're talking about his ability, Claypool's ability to have sex, <laughs> to have success in the slot. It's gotta come, it's gotta come in these matchups when he has this massive size advantage. And then the fourth thing here is I think they gotta get some shot plays. And those shot plays, look, it's gonna be George Pickens. And I, I I hate doing that because he's a rookie in his first ever game. And this is a massive game for the Steelers. You know, it's a division opponent on the road. But I do think they're gonna have to win in those areas. And it could be Frymouth down the seam. You know, and by the way, those seam shots, talk about getting them out of getting them out of cover too, getting them out of too high. Too high. You know, you can you can you can win some whole shots on the outside and you can win potentially down the seam, especially if they're in a, if they're in a cover two. We got the linebacker covering down the middle. That's how you know, they, they, those are to me, those are the offensive keys in this football game. All right, let's go over to the Steelers defensively. Talked a lot about the Steelers being able to run the ball. Well, spoilers. They got to defend the run, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is this is an obvious one. Anyone who watched these games a year ago to watch any Steeler game, not just the Bengals game. They were horrific in run defense a year ago, but these, but really it was these two matchups. And then probably the Vikings game where it was 
not just bad, but it, it really did have an, a massive effect on the outcome of the football game. You know what I mean? Like meaning that not only were the other teams able to run the ball, but they were able to, to run the ball with enough success and then convert that into points and, and usually seven. Now run defense is all Tomlin has preached all summer. I mean, this is, this is everything he's talked about. He played the first team defense extensively against the Lions, you know, pretty much until halftime. And why did he do that? I believe he did that because he was testing this team against the Lions team that did run the ball pretty well against them a year ago and saying, I want to see you guys stop the run. We're out there. We're going to rep this until we get it right. This is all Tomlin's talked about. Now, just from a kind of personnel perspective, the Steelers have upgraded here. I mean, their front seven is different than it was a year ago. Gone are the guys like Henry Mondo and Isaiah Bugs and all that who the Steelers were playing in these matchups because they didn't have Tyson Alualu. Gone is, gone is Joe Schobert at the inside linebacker position. And they've upgraded with Larry Ogunjobi on the defensive line. So they've got, you know, of their four, of their front seven, three of those seven players will be different in this football game. The biggest one to me is not Miles Jack, who's their big acquisition. It's actually Tyson Alualu. Tyson Alualu has been... I mean, the Steelers' best run defender. And I, I look, and I mean, I mean that in that, look, he's, it's not like he's out there making all the tackles and everything, but the splits when he's on, his ability as a nose to stay upright and make things difficult for that offensive line to, to, to move him. You look at the splits of when Alualo is in the lineup and healthy versus when he is not, it is night and day for this team. And it has been, it has been that way going back all the way to 2020. Forget about last year where he, he didn't play the entire year. We know that the run defense was bad without him a year ago. But go back to 2020. And go back to before he hurt his MCL and then after. Because he sat out a bunch of games and he came back and really wasn't healthy from that point. It is night and day for this run defense with him in and out of the lineup. And so I do think the Steelers' run defense will be better this year with him. But the question in this matchup is, can they keep him on the field? And particularly, how do they defend against the 11 personnel that the Bengals are likely to run? 11 personnel meaning one running back, one tight end, three wide receiver set. Now, generally, three wide receiver set means you're going you're gonna to take a defensive lineman. In the Steelers' case, their nose tackle will come off the field. That's Tyson Alualu. And a, a, another cornerback, your slot defender, will come onto the field. In this case, that could be Arthur Mollette. It could be Levi Wallace going to the outside and then Cam coming to the inside. The Bengals use 11 personnel a lot of a lot. 77% of their snaps in 2021 were out of 11. It, against the Steelers, it was 74%. So right in line with what they did. Out of that 11 personnel last year, the Bengals ran 40 times, 4.3 yards per carry, and three rushing touchdowns out of 11 personnel. Now, 11 personnel is going to likely mean that if the Steelers match that up, that will mean Tyson Alualu is not in the, in the lineup. So, so essentially, the Bengals are going to be able to schematically say, okay, even if you are better with Alualu out there, we're going to take him out. We're going to get you to take him off the field. And so the way the Steelers can, can combat that, and we've seen them do this in the past, is to leave their base personnel out there, even if the Bengals are in 11. Now, you're playing with fire here defensively. And again, you know, this is why I talk about not a great matchup for the Steelers. but. One of the ways you can combat that, especially for a team that is as desperate to stop the run as the Steelers are going to be, is you don't have to, just because the other team's in 11, doesn't mean that you have to come out there and match it up and say, okay, well, I'm going to take my D lineman out and put a corner out there. You can stay in base in those cases. The Steelers have done it in the past. I'll be interested to see on Sunday if the Steelers elect at times to stay in base, especially early downs, first and 10, you know, second and five, those kind of plays. If the Bengals are in 11, are you are you willing to stay in base? It's dangerous because you're talking about you know you're talking about oh this is when we talk about linebacker on a you know linebacker on a on a wide receiver. This is that moment, right? This is what we're talking about. So are the Steelers willing to kind of give up some things potentially in the passing game against a guy like Tyler Boyd? The expense of all right, or, or in order to shut down Joe Mixon. They have to shut down Joe Mixon. I mean, again, it is, it is for this defense, it is key number one and is really the only key to this game. 
if they don't shut down Joe Mixon, they have no chance of winning this game. If this game has any, if this game is anything close to what it was last year when it comes to the Bengals' success running the football, the Steelers have a zero percent chance of winning. They just cannot win that way. 168 yards for Mixon in the second game, 90 in the first game, but neither way they can win. Because if the Bengals are able to dictate game flow, if they're able to say we're going to go on 12, 13 play drives and we're going to get touchdowns on those drives, we're going to limit your exposure to the football whatsoever. We're going to have our own long, successful drives here. We're going to convert them into points. We're going to get to early leads. This, you know, the Steelers can't pin their ears back. They're done. They're just done. The other thing about this game, when you talk about defending the Bengals running game, they the Bengals run a lot of outside zone. So it'd be interesting to see how the Steelers attack that. Because again, outside, you know, outside zone is not the same as a gap run. So you think about the difference between zone and, and gap running. We break it down real simple. A gap run is a run to a gap. You know, it's just what it sounds like. So if you're breaking down the gaps, right? right next to the center, A, that's your A gap. Next to your guards is B. Next to your tackles is C. And outside of your tight ends is D. Okay, so a gap run is essentially a run to a gap. A zone run is essentially a running back picking a gap, right? We're going to kind of, an outside zone is, is you know, obviously that's the, uh, you kind of get your offensive lineman moving to the outside. And then your running back is just kind of picking a gap and seeing where a defender commits to. And then can I get, you know, can I get there? Miles Jack's going to be huge in this. Especially if the if the if the Steelers can get him in kind of more of a uh, a fill defender type, where he can kind of look at Joe and see where Joe's going. Miles Jack can be a huge component. But this is when we talk about how lucky the Steelers got in getting Miles Jack. This is a huge part here. The other thing, by the way, it, with outside zone is that you know it it is up to every defender, right? Every defender has their part to play in a zone scheme. Because once again, you know, a Joe Mixon could take the thing, you know, the edge defender is going to have their, you know, they're going to have to to, uh, to seal the edge and, and stop Mixon from getting outside. But even that backside defender is going to have every bit just as much to do because if you go back and watch the tape last year, Mixon had a lot of plays last year in this outside zone where he actually cut it back. And the Stewards did a very poor job of covering the backside of this play. But the Stewards have one really big advantage on that defensive line, and that's Cam Hayward going up against Cordell Volson who's a rookie, a rookie guard starting for them. Volson's had a nice preseason. Bengals fans are, are very pleased with him and very happy that he beat out Jackson Carmen, who was a sub player for the Steelers or for the Bengals a year ago. But you're talking about outside zone. You're talking about Cam Hayward wrecking, wrecking that outside zone, forcing Mixon to make a move before he wants to. You know, Hayward could be, Hayward has been and can be an absolute game wrecker in this one if he can win that matchup and win it consistently. Something to watch for when they're running outside zone. Now, that's how the Steelers can 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 defend the run in this game. But when you really think about the Bengals in their attack, talking about their passing game, right? Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and, oh, yeah, Jamar Chase. <laughs> how do they, as, as the Bengals call them, the Migos? How do the Steelers? How do the Steelers defend the Migos in this game? Because as I said, they may need to, they may need to give some of this up in order to stop the run. As we talked about, they're in eleven. The Bengals are in eleven. All three of those receivers are on the field, and the Steelers may have to stay in base because they feel like that's their best chance to stop the running game. So how do the Steelers defend the passing game? Well, the easiest thing for the for the Steelers to do in this game would be to just play in too high. They just playing too high, and they force the Bengals to say, "Okay, we're, we're just you're going to have to you're going to have to go on those long plays. You're going to have to go on those long drives. You're going to have to just kind of go 13 plays here. We're not going to let you have everything over the top. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. We know playmakers these guys are. We're not going to let you have that big those big plays down the field. You're going to have to beat us little by little, death by a thousand cuts if you can. Now the Steelers can't play too high in this game. I mean, I'll just be straight up with you. They cannot. We talked about this at the end of AFC North Talk the other day. Kind of had a laugh about it. Because there's just no way the Steelers can defend the run out of too high. They're going to need Terrell Edmonds out in the box. They just are. You know, we talked about how, you know, how much of a bully mentality it was that the Bengals were able to stay in too high and stop the run. I don't think the Steelers are going to have that luxury in this game, and that's going to mean they're going to play single high. Minka Fitzpatrick's going to be your single high safety in this game. 
Edmonds is going to come down to the box. And that's going to leave one-on-one opportunities for the outside. I, I think for me, the key here, when I think about defending the Migos and, and how, how, you know, how, how to shut this thing down, you're not going to shut them down. They're too good. But you have to, to me, you have to trust Akilah Witherspoon. I know the Steelers don't travel. You know, they don't do the thing where a corner just follows someone all over the field. And I don't expect them to change that this year. I don't expect them to change that in this matchup in particular. But I do think Akilah Witherspoon is the closest this team has to a number one type. He certainly has the size, the speed, the athleticism, the physicality that you'd want out of a number one guy. And so in that way, I think you roll coverage the other way, right? You're telling Minka, listen, you are rolling wherever Akilah isn't. And you're just going to kind of trust that Akilah is going to have to win his matchup more often than not. Once again, yeah, I mean, it's it's a variance thing. You know, they're going to throw up a bunch of 50-50 balls and it's going to be Higgins versus Akilah one-on-one down the field. You kind of have to live with that. Because you can't live in a world where you're, co- you know, you're, you're kind of giving safety help to both guys, but you're just letting Joe Mixon, you know, run at four and five yards a clip like they did last year. Once again, it's what it's what makes this thing it's what makes this thing so difficult. But but a couple things here. Number one, not all the Bengals plays are are deep passes. You, know, you think about the Bengals and the explosion that they had last year. They were one of the most explosive teams in the league. They had they had one of the best rates when it comes to explosive plays, especially in that passing game. But they weren't all necessarily like you know Jamar Chase jump balls down the field or T Higgins winning on a deep route. These guys, especially Chase, are very good in catch-and-run situations. And the Steelers have to make the Bengals work. They have to tackle the catch point. you got to make the Bengals work down the field. you got to make it so that they, you know, it it does have to be 12 and 13 play drives. And those 12 and 13 play drives are not going to be running the football. Now, it's again, this is, you know, you're threading a needle here. Because, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to stay in base in, in 11 sometimes. And we're going to trust a kilo in one-on-one against these guys. You know, it's tough. It's certainly tough. But you got you cannot allow the easy stuff. You know, the little wide receiver screen for Jamar Chase that goes for 30. Can't have that in this game. A little slant that, that, that Chase takes and then someone misses a tackle and bang, you're off to the races. Those are the plays in this game the Stewarts can't have. Because they're going to have a hard enough time with everything else we've talked about. If you're giving them the easy stuff, once again, this game is over. This game is over. Now, Bengals do have a new offensive line. They're very proud of this new offensive line. They think it's going to be top 10. I think PFF already put them in the top 10. You know I mean? Like Bengals fans would have you believe that this offensive line is already one, one of the best in the league. They've never played together before. I've never seen these five players next to each other. But already I'm just supposed to believe that they have the best. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Now, the quickest way to stop Joe Burrow and that, that Migos attack is not necessarily a two high or single high or rolling coverage one way. It's get to Joe Burrow. You know, we the the game plan against Burrow last year, not that complicated. If you can get pressure with four, you will have a very decent time against the Migos. You know, for all the for all the hype about T. Higgins and and uh, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and all the you know, what did they really do in the, what did they really do in that in that postseason run? Because they got pressure on Burrow a lot of a lot. They're the, the team that defended him, and that Bengals team didn't exactly throw up thirty a game. You know, it wasn't like the Migos were out there feasting on a week-to-week basis. They won games in the 20s and in the teens, like that Tennessee game. That Tennessee game is, is and that's the blueprint, though. Get pressure with four, because when you're talking about a new offensive line, what's the one thing you can take advantage of? I don't doubt the talent of that offensive line. I'm not sitting here telling you that, that I, you know, that, that, that offensive line is not talented. Lyle Collins can't play. You know, the guys that they brought in are not good. They have, they have more talent on this offensive line than they had a year ago. But those guys have never played together. Didn't play together in preseason yet. How do you get how, how do you mess with that new offensive line? Communication. Communication is the easiest way to do that. Make sure that they know their checks, that they know who's taking who, especially in, in certain looks. And the easiest way to do that is to blitz, right? Is to bring exotic stuff. We know Keith Butler used to love to do this. Problem is, the problem is, you know, with, with Blitzing Burrow is Joe Burrow was in 2021 the best quarterback against the Blitz in the National Football League. He was as effective 
as any quarterback in the league, and especially in this matchup. You, the Steelers blitzed last year. What did they blitz? 14 times in the two matchups? I mean, they, they really didn't want to blitz Burrow. They blitzed him 14 times last year. He was 11 of 14, 135 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Those are the numbers when they blitz Burrow. The problem with blitzing Joe Burrow is if he sees it coming, or as soon as he sees it coming, he's getting rid of the ball quickly. Right? He knows where he needs to go with the football. He's a very cerebral guy. I got a numbers. The pressure's coming that way. Got it. That's where I'm going. I think what actually may be more advantageous for the Steelers in this game when it comes to, look, they have to be able to get pressure on Burrow. They can't win without that. You know, they, just another one of those, like, you got to have this or you're screwed. If Joe Burrow's got all day to throw, the Steelers are done for. They probably can't blitz him. Meaning that I don't think they can bring five and six and just hope that Burrow doesn't see where it's coming from or takes too long to process. But what they can do is called simulated pressure. Simulated pressure is the idea that you bring four, but you do so exotically. Meaning that I'm bringing an extra defender this way, but I'm dropping someone into coverage to fill. So I'm only bringing four, but you don't know where those four guys are coming from. Once again, test that offensive line. Try to get some free rushers. Right? We're, we're doing the whole pressure with four thing, but we're trying to do so in a way that creatively creates problems for that team and creates problems for Burrow. Because once again, he's trying to figure out where pressure's coming from and also who's filling in that case. It's a tough test. It's a, it, look, this, this, this Steeler defense has a, lot of, has a lot of talent up front, no doubt. TJ Watt, Larry Ogunjobi, Cam Hayward, and, uh, and Alex Highsmith. They can probably just get pressure with those four guys in general. But the, the Bengals did a great job last year. You know, we talk about the chipping and all that that happened. They did a great job last year chipping TJ and taking him out of that second matchup. They did, they did a very good job of, of taking Hayward out of that matchup as well. So I don't, you know, look, I don't want to doubt the Steelers front four, but I'm also, if I'm, if I'm Terrell Austin, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I don't know that I want to go into this game and just say, I know my front, I trust my front four to get that pressure no matter what. I probably want to do some simulated pressure, especially early on in this game, see how that offensive line reacts to it, potentially continue that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to mean at times guys like Highsmith are dropping into coverage so you can bring ball out, out, out the nickel, right? It's going to mean things like that, yes. But if it means free rushers, free rushers with four, I like my chances. And especially if it means potentially getting guys like Cam Hayward in one-on-one -on -one situations against this offensive line. So, keys defensively in this game. Number one, limit Joe Mixon. This is not rocket science. They can't run the ball. The Bengals cannot be able to have the amount of success that they had a year ago running the football, and the Steelers are going to feel like they're going to have a chance to win this game. They will not. They will not. If Joe Mixon's near 100 in this game, it probably means another Steeler L. They have to be able to get pressure with four, as we just talked about, and I think they can do that in creative ways. They don't have to just be very vanilla. I mean, you could do stunts and twists and all that as well. I think the simulated pressure thing is something to watch for. I, I'm sure that Mike Tomlin and Terrell Austin are not going to want to just be very vanilla with this pass rush, knowing what happened in this game a year ago where they did not do a great job of getting to Joe Burrow on a down-to-down -down basis. You have to tackle the catch point. Again, look, am I worried about am I worried about Jamar Chase down the field? Am I worried about Tyler Boyd down the football field? Am I worried about T. Higgins down the field? Sure. I am I am worried about those things. But what I'm but those are 50-50 balls. And quite honestly, I have a feeling that. The Bengals aren't going to be as good last this year because natural regression is going to happen. They got so many explosive big plays in that way on those weird 50-50 balls. You, you know, you'll take it. Right? I mean, if if Akilo's one-on-one down the field with Jamar Chase and Jamar makes a great catch over Akilo, who's in good position, you just have to take that. I mean, that's 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 what happens when you go up against one of the best young receivers in the National Football League. But what I won't be able to accept coming out of this game is if Jamar Chase has a you know, two-yard catch-and-run that turns into a 70-yarder. That can't happen in this game. Keep a lid on it that way. Make the Bengals earn it down the football field. Make this offense earn it. This offense, on a play-to-play -play basis a year ago, was not one of the best in the league. They were one of the most explosive. They weren't one of the, the, one of the most efficient. Make them be efficient. 
And as I said, trust Akilah. Trust Akilah. He's your he's your best corner you probably have for a matchup like this. I think you got to trust him. Roll coverage the other way and take your chances. All right, prediction time. How do I think this game is actually going to play out? If you've already watched AFC North Talk, you know what I'm going to say here. But I'll start with this. Never rule out Mike Tomlin. I'm not ruling them out. I'm, I'm, I'm not predicting the Steelers to win this football game. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they have no chance. Yes, this is a difficult matchup. Yes, the Bengals have... They are more. They have all the advantageous matchups on their side, especially when it comes to their offense against the Steeler defense. The Steeler defense is their best asset. But the Bengals match up really well with how to take advantage of this team. But I'm not ruling out Tomlin. I'm not ruling out Tomlin to come up with a game plan and, and, and motivate his team to go on the road and shock the world in week one. We saw it a year ago. We saw it a year ago against Buffalo. How many of us had that team last year going out and winning the way that they did, stylistically, the way that they did, playing a game in which they kept the Bills in the teens, they was ugly wins, special teams. How many of us saw that coming? I didn't. I had no, There was 0% I thought this team, that team could keep the Bills under 20 points and win a football game that way. But they did. So I'm not ruling the Steelers out. But my prediction is the Bengals are going to win this game and probably by a touchdown or more. I, I, again, I think it's it's going to be, a, for all the reasons I outlined today, there are so many matchups where if the Steelers can't stop the run, it's over, right? If the Steelers can't defend Trey Anderson, it's over. You know, how many of those matchups do the Steelers have? How many of those things where, well, if, if the Bengals can't stop X, the game is over. I don't know that there's many. I mean, if they can't, look, if, if they allow the Steelers to run the football, this game gets closer. But, you know, the Bengals are still a highly capable offense that can, you know, even if they, even if you limit their, even if you limit their possessions, they're still a very, very explosive team. So I'll take the Bengals. I'll lay the points. I, I think the Bengals win by a touchdown and I'll take the under 44 and a half. All right. Let's get to some of your comments here. Um, Dominic says with the Bengals new color rush that looks like the white Power Rangers. Do you think we could see it on Sunday afternoon? I, they've already announced when they're wearing those. They are wearing them against the Steelers, not this time. They're going to wear them on the Monday night game. Uh, they will wear them in week, what is that, week 11? Coming out of the bye, is it? They're wearing them against the Monday night. The Steelers on Monday night. They're, they're all white. It's actually kind of, I like the white helmet. I, I will, I won't lie. I kind of like the, the Bengals and they're all white, at least with the white helmet. Uh, Darwin says, hit him with a few screens and that will slow Hendrickson down. Yeah. I mean, again, you gotta, and I also think maybe running to his side as well, you know, maybe running, you know, running some end arounds and whatnot to his side. So once again, the potpourri that Matt Candle loves to do to get into defenders head, to just make them for a split second, think, wait, do I have a different responsibility on this play? I agree. This is a big part of it. You know, the Matt Canada crazy shifts and potpourri and all the craziness he loves to do. Try to figure out ways to do that to get into Trent Hendrickson. Just to slow him down a little bit. We talk about, you know, guys like uh, uh, Fryermuth having to be a little slow out of their stance because they're first going to have to chip and then get out their route. Nick Henderson have to do the same thing. He's like, oh, what am I? Am I am I sealing the edge on this play or am I going after the quarterback? Yeah. Screens, end arounds, run at him. I like it. I like it. Um, let's see. Oh, I see. We should, I should, uh, Joel says letting Hilton go was a mistake. I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, I, now the money aspect of it and, and what was happening at the time, you know, obviously we were in a, you know, that, that was pandemic time. So the salary cap went down that year. It's hard to really blame the Steelers for the moves they made that off season because they were so cash strapped. I mean, they were just so up against the cap. I guess, you know, hindsight being 50, 50, you would say, or 2020, whew, hindsight being 2020, <laughs> you would say that keeping Juju at the expense of Hilton was a mistake. But then again, Juju got hurt. You couldn't have predicted that. Now, I mean, obviously today we would love to have, we would love to have Hilton at the expense of the one year of Juju rental that ended up just being, you know, seven games or whatever he ended up playing last year. George says the Steelers had a choice to make with Hilton due to be paid. Hilton or Sutton. Hilton has definite strengths, but they think they kept the right one. That's interesting. I mean, certainly Sutton has more position flexibility, which is why why I think they kept him. Because 
not only did the Steelers lose Hilton, but remember they, they cut Steven Nelson as well. And so, you know, if we're living in a world where the choice was cut Nelson, sign Juju, or cut Nelson, sign Hilton, you know, you're cutting Nelson, you create a problem for yourself at outside corner to keep your nickel, but your nickel can't play outside. Whereas with Sutton, and what's so nice about him, and I think what I'm excited about with Sutton this year, is now that the Steelers have some outside corners we feel like we can trust in Akilo and Levi, you feel really good about moving Sutton into the slot in those nickel spots. And so um, I, I think I agree with you here. You know, I, I actually I actually think I agree. If it, if it was between Hilton and Sutton, I think Sutton was the right choice given the flexibility that he has as a um, as a defender. Uh, Joel says, I don't disagree. It was unfortunate that Hilton went to the Bengals, although uh, he had already exited by the time there was extra cap money available. Yeah, I mean, he was – look, it was going to be tough to keep Hilton because he was on the open market. So you were kind of competing. You would have had to pay him more. And then there's the, the whole thing of, like, did he not even want to stay with Pittsburgh? Right? He's taught – you know, I, I'm, players say whatever they're going to say after they sign somewhere, right? Wherever they sign is the greatest place on earth. Um, but, you know, there was the whole idea of, like, hey, you know, he saw how good Burrow was going to be. He wanted to go play there. Felt like he was a better chance to win a championship, yada, yada. All that plays into it as well. Oh, Jay Mighty here says, should I start Pickens at my flex? No, you should not. You should not. Listen, I love George Pickens. I think George Pickens is going to have uh, an amazing career as a Pittsburgh Steeler. But once again, are we talking about a rookie in his first game, having a big enough game that you should start him in fantasy? My, honestly, I would – well, the only guy you should really start is Deontay. Because, you know, when we talk about this early on in the season, with as much uncertainty as there is when it comes to fantasy, the one guy you should start is Deontay because we know Deontay is going to get his targets. Now, if you want a super sleeper for the Steelers – I would start Claypool, but I, you know, once again, I don't love that. <laughs> I don't love that. Um, Joel here says sex in the slot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. George says Jack will definitely help against the run. Alo Alo and better depth. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think honestly, I would expect in this game, Jack has a more of an impact than Alo Alo because I, I'm going to be really interested to see how much the Steelers probably will stay in base sometimes, but not, I don't, I don't they're not going to do that all the time. And the Bengals are going to try and get the Steelers out of their base sets and then try to run out of it. And that's where another thing I should have talked about. You're going to see a lot of mallet in those cases, you know, just because the Steelers go into nickel doesn't mean it's going to be Cam Sutton going over and Levi Wallace on the field. I think you're going to see a lot of mallet in this game on early downs. If they're in 11, because mallet's probably a better run defender. You like him closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it comes to de defending that outside zone. I, I think Miles Jack, his, his athleticism and his football IQ. Yeah. He's uh he's going to be a key there. George says, I know Casey is out at least four weeks, but what about playing a good dose of dime defense with Alu Alu, Cam, Alex, TJ, and Jack as the lone linebacker? Um, Hold on. You have too many D linemen. Alu Alu, Alex, TJ, Ogunjobi was going to be on the field too, I would assume, right? So you have five down linemen. That's like a weird bear front. Yeah, it's just too many D linemen. Dime is going to mean Norwood's on the field. Unless you're going five man front, one linebacker, two corners, two safeties, or three corners, two safeties. It's an interesting formation. I don't think the Steelers are going to run it, though. A five-man front in general. Nah, that's what they do on base sets. What am I talking about? That's base sets. <laughs> They're an odd front. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, the Steelers should run with five five base defenders. Yes, I like that. It should be, should be the five guys in base. <laughs> Confuse myself. All right. Uh, Jacob here says, Bengals offensive playmakers versus the Steelers defensive playmakers is such a crazy week one matchup. Starting fast and getting a lead might determine the game. Yeah, starting fast in this game. Yeah, I mean, once again, start fast, get them out of too high. Boy, if they have, if the Bengals come out too high, this is why I hate the TV angle. Can I just, can I just rant for a second about how much I hate the TV angle and how we don't, we have all accepted as football fans that like we watch football like this, you know, where we just go, yeah, I don't want to see what the receivers are doing or where the safeties are. No, I would, I just want to watch the offensive line and the quarterback. Yeah, I don't really care about the actual play that's developing over there. Nah, I don't really care. 
It's so weird. So weird that we accept that. I mean, that is that, that's it. They tried the Madden camera. Remember, it was Sunday Night Football. Tried to do the Madden camera a little bit. It was behind the quarterback. You could actually see the play develop. You could see the coverage and everything. People hated it, though. It's tough. It's like, you know, it, it is. For those of you who watch the All-22, you'll, I think you'll agree with me here. It is almost like watching watching a, a different game. You watch it on TV, and you get a certain sense for what happened, but then you watch it again in the All-22, and you go, oh, okay, that's what was going on here. George says, okay, so Ojo's coming off the field. Reed would be – yeah, you know what? I guess that's an interesting point, which is if they're in nickel on early downs, could you see a set where Alu-Alu replaces – Ogan Joby on early downs, the same way that Mallette would rotate with Cam on the outside, rundowns versus passing downs, right? It's a passing down, Cam's on the field in nickel, Mallette's coming off, and then Levi Wallace is coming in to play outside. Could you see a situation where Ogan Joby comes out in obvious running situations out of 11 so the Steelers have to play nickel and replace with Alwell? That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And again, something to watch for. How how many reps Alu Alu gets in this game is going to be key. He's 35, though. So, you know, so another thing. How many reps can he really get? Um, Ali says, Tony, it's only an upset if you think the Bengals are going to win. I don't. Here we go, Steelers. Well, it's an upset because I go by I go by this, right? I mean, I go by Vegas. The whole, you know. The Vegas line is Bengals by six and a half. So if the Steelers win, to me, that's an upset. But you guys know me. I That's how my brain works. Um, see, George says, I think the Steelers will win. No doubt they cover the spread. I could I could certainly, you know, I, I, there's no way I would bet this game because I certainly could see the Steelers keeping this game close. Division opponent, week one. You know, and covering the spread, I think, is, you know, that that I would say, yeah, I could easily see that. You know, you get a you get a weird like Evan McPherson wins it late or Boswell wins it late, right? There's a field goal game. Who has the ball last? Yeah, I, I mean, it's not what I'm predicting, but I I could see it. Ha- that that to me is more likely than the Steelers winning is that they just they ended up covering by the end. Um. All right. Do one more here. Joel says, who do you think wears the green dot? It's been Devin Bush. And I don't think, have they announced that it won't be Devin Bush? Have they announced who it's going to be? I, I would assume it'll still be Devin. Um, Although, Devin, well, no, I mean, I guess it has to be Jack because Jack's staying on the field for, it really comes down to who's staying on the field in dime. And so I would assume that that's going to be Jack and therefore Jack will keep the green dot so he can call the play. Yeah. That's another one. I don't think they've announced that yet. It, it's been Devin Bush in years past, if I'm not mistaken. And so he's still a starter. It'd be kind of weird to take it away from him. All right, last one here before we uh, before we call it, because once again, we're at an hour. I just can't. I always tell myself, you know, YouTube, like the algorithm likes shorter videos. We got to keep this to 20, 30 minutes. And then I just have too much fun. I have too much fun, and we're at an hour every time. <laughs> Uh, Fred says, to be fair to our defense, is there any defense in the league that matches up well with the Bengals' offense? Um, no. <laughs> no. No, there's – I mean, like the Bills will because they – teams that can get pressure with four and they have dominant, you know, four uh, – dominant four up front like the Titans did, you know, with Jeffrey Simmons, um, they're going to have the – they're going to have the best advantages. Um, solid secondary, pressure with four. Bills are going to have that. Titans had that last year. Steelers could have that this year. I mean, again, you know, Oak and Joby over Wormley is a massive upgrade. It's a massive, massive upgrade. Yeah, TJ, you know, you get, I mean, TJ is going to, going to get chipped and all that. And they're going to, you know, they're going to do that stuff. The problem for the Steelers was, look, I'm not, I'm not ruling out that this game turns into the Titans game. If the Steelers can stop the run. The reason why we never got to see, the reason why we never got to see that the, the, the Steelers Titan or the, the Titans Bengals version of Steelers Bengals is because the Bengals just ran the ball every play. So it didn't matter. Oh, you think you can get pressure with four? Who cares? I'm running the ball on you every single play. Titans did a great job in that game of limiting Joe Mixon, 
And then just, you know, I mean, just anytime Burrow was back there to pass, it was just, you know, pin your ears back and go with four. So you stop the run and all of a sudden things change a little bit. The math changes. Can you get pre- now? Now it's down to if, if they stop the run, the question comes down to, can they get pressure with four? Because if they stop the run, they get pressure with four. This is game on. Then we start talking about, yes, Tony starts to believe that they can, Tony starts to believe they can win this game. But sorry. Stuff. All right. That'll do it for me today. Thank you all for watching and listening. Again, if you are watching this uh, on YouTube and you'd rather this in podcast form, you can find this wherever you find podcasts, search Steeler Country. And if you're listening to this in, as an audio podcast, you'd rather get the video version, search Steeler Country on YouTube, subscribe there. I am live. Oh, the schedule for the for the year. I meant to say this earlier. The schedule this season on, on the channel is going to be Tuesdays and I think Thursdays. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays here on the channel. We'll do a recap show on Tuesdays, and then we'll do a preview show on Thursdays going forward. Obviously, you should also check out my other channel here on YouTube, AFC North Talk. Uh, we're going to do our that's – it's a roundtable show all about the AFC North. We're going to do our recap shows on Monday, and we'll do our preview episodes on Wednesday. So that's you're going to get four straight days of me talking in some way about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So whether it's here or AFC North Talk, hope you get hope you give that a watch or a listen. And uh, I'll be back on Tuesday to recap Steelers Bengals right here on Steeler Country.